my situation, in my circumstance, I receive your blessing. I receive your healing. I receive your power. I receive your deliverance. I receive you as the great promise keeper. I receive you as the miracle worker. I receive you as the way maker. I receive you as the light in the darkness in my life. And so, Lord, I'm trusting you. Not only are you all those things, you are the author and the developer of my faith. You have dealt to me the measure of faith and you are holding me accountable to unleash the faith that I have in the situations that I face. And so Lord, I'm believing that you are speaking to us today in the name of Jesus. Come on, say this with me, Heavenly Father. Your word says, if I lack wisdom, I should ask you in faith without wavering that you would give it liberally without fault finding. I ask now for that wisdom and I believe that I receive it. And I say with my Lord Jesus that I must be about my father's business. Thank you for giving me your insight into my kingdom success. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting. Amen. Now say this with me. I am a believer of the word of God. I am an epistle of the spirit of God. I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Just want to acknowledge those that are joining with us live um, on Facebook and on YouTube. Please um, continue to tune in with us in the name of Jesus, that uh, you're going to be blessed as we continue on in our series on unleashing the increase of faith. That's a really important topic we've been on here for a few um probably about a month or so, roughly, and um, I'm really excited about the things that we're, we've been sharing on it, and I'm believing you're going to be blessed, and we'll also come back at the end and tell you about how you can participate and help us cause others to experience the difference of destiny. Now, remember, please like, share, subscribe to our Facebook page. Help us to help others experience what you're experiencing now in Jesus' name. All right. Unleashing the Increase of Faith is our series. Um, just for a reminder, we'll quickly go through some objectives and review and go on from there. So we have these five objectives. Number one, to review and elaborate on the basics of understanding the force of faith, how it works and doesn't work in walking by faith. And it's important enough to, that you also know um, how you get off in faith that uh, pastor is going to tell you about some times that it didn't work, where I did it wrong so that you don't think you're the only person that's that made mistakes walking by faith. Okay, that's really important because sometimes people always tell you the stuff that worked and then they keep the stuff that didn't work to themselves. But the things that don't work is as, part of, is as important as what does work because 
you know, it's as important to see a child fall and get back up as it is when you see them rocking and running, right? Number two, to encourage you to examine your faith. See, how do you use faith? How do you consider faith? Is it a toy? Is it a trial? Something I'm just trying. If it works, I'll do something else. Is it a tool? Is it a tactic that I use in certain situations but not in others? Is it a technology? Is it something that I just use to help me get stuff, but when I got the stuff, then I stopped using it? Or is it a termination? That means that I, I'm in it to win it. You know, in the world today, they say we ride or die. You know what that means? That means this is all I got. I don't have a plan B. Number three, to enlighten levels of faith as described in Scripture and encourage self-examination to move you to spiritual acceleration and your purposeful faith development. Do you take self-exams to see how your faith is working in your life? All right? And um, you can be strong in faith in one area and weak in another. Okay? You can really believe God and have great confidence in this part of the covenant and there's another part of that same covenant that you're just not quite sure that it's going to work for you, right? And so you need to examine yourself and then move towards acceleration. Four, to illuminate power keys and principles that I've learned in my own life and seen in the life of my mentors and spiritual leaders in terms of faith development. And then five, to embolden you to release your faith for the illogical, inconceivable, and what is naturally impossible, such that God is free to move in amazing ways to bring his purpose to pass in your situation. Hebrews 11 and 1 has been our scripture, and um, that's the, our core scripture there. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And we've been spending time over the last few weeks talking about the importance of hope right? Hope is the blueprint, we said, that faith gives the building material. Some people don't have the right blueprint, so their faith can't do anything because the picture that they have inside of them is not the will of God coming to pass on the situation. They have a blueprint. Like, the doctor gives you, you know, the, the bad report, and then you start imagining your funeral, That's a real thing, am I, am I, right? That's a real thing, right? The boss comes and talks to you about um, everybody gonna get fired and you imagine, like it hadn't even happened yet, but your imagination says, okay, this is how I'm gonna lose my house. This is how this is gonna get turned off. You're you have blueprints going on in your head for stuff that haven't even happened yet. Okay, and so it's really important for you to understand how to develop and keep your hope alive. And so we describe that hope is the intersection between what God promised and what you desire. Those two form the hope. If, if you can get the picture of what God promised and you desired, inside you crystal clear, then your hope is solid, right? And that picture of what God promised plus you desire has to be based on the word, not your own situation. Because when your situation fails, then your hope shouldn't fail with it. 
people have their hopes up and then the doctor gives them a bad report and then their hope goes down. That means their hope wasn't based on the word because the word didn't change just because the doctor told you you only have six months to live. So I have to make sure that I have really meditated and spent time developing that blueprint. And listen, that takes time and nobody else can do that for you but you. Okay? Nobody else can do that for you. Nobody can do your homework. You got to get in that word. And listen, if that image of failure is stubborn, you're going to have to take a lot of time to, to reprogram that image inside of you. Okay? If you're dealing in a real spiritual battle, you might need to read that scripture three times a day, meditate it, because it, it, you may not, you may not <laughs> it may take you um, so long to change that image that, that um, you have to look at that scripture and then the next three hours later do it again. Because that image will only stay solid in you a short time because that, 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 that other thing, whether it's the death, the failure, that thing is so strong and the devil is there talking inside of you, you may have to take time after time. And listen, it's your life. Nobody can do that for you. If I could put oil on you and get that done, I'd, I'd leave, everybody leave here greasy. I, I, I'd, have, I'd bathe you. I'd, <laughs> I'd baptize you in oil if I could do it for you. But I can't. You got to take the time it takes for you to develop that picture. And baby, it takes time. So, so uh, don't take an overnight bag for this trip. You understand that? Does that make sense? If, if, if there's something that you're really believing for and it's very difficult, don't take an overnight bag. That means you have to be willing to put your time in meditating that scripture, seeing it on the canvas of your imagination, you know, and that picture, you, you know, you might meditate a scripture one time and then you go for an hour and then the next hour the question comes back. Then that means you go back and then you get it again. If you waking up in a cold sweat, read your Bible and then go back to bed. You know, because, you know, my, my famous statement is Bill talk to you. Light bill, house bill, gas bill, right? Bill, talk to you. So you may have to set Bill to the side, get your Bible, and talk to Bill. Yeah, you got to talk to him. And listen, you, you may talk to him, and then he calm down for two hours. And then you wake up in the middle of the night. Then you got to go get your Bible, talk to Bill again, and go back to sleep. Because you, it, whatever time it takes for you to get your hope solid is good time spent. And then I told you, you know, don't, don't be working on your healing watching Grey's Anatomy and The Good Doctor and General Hospital and... You know, you, you know what I'm saying? You, you're trying to do this, and then you and then you soaking yourself in pictures that are contrary to the picture of what you desire to happen in your situation. Why would you do that? The Bible says you have to cast down imaginations. 
and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. You have to make every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Nobody's going to get inside your head and do that for you. God won't do it. Your pastor can't do it. You got to do it yourself, right? You have to make sure that you take the time to spend in the word to develop Bible hope, all right? And so um, you want that hope to be based on the word of God because whatever else your hope is based on will ultimately fail. The scripture says that in Romans 4 that when all natural reasons for hope had failed, Abraham still believed in hope because he believed that the person who promised God was able also to perform it. So when every other reason for him to have hope failed, he still hoped because the word of God had not changed. And so that's the thing that you want to have a hope that's built, right? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. You want a hope that has some, some strength and some solid to it. Okay, you don't want it when somebody says, are you, do you believe that, that God's going to heal you? Well, I hope so. That's not Bible hope. That, that's synonymous with the word wish. You, but you're still unsure yet. You haven't spent enough time in the covenant to see that that's going to work for you. All right. Well, I hope so. No, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not the hope, faith giving substance to the thing hoped for and evidence to the things not seen, all right? So I've been telling you and walking you through the fact that um, hope also creates a picture. Not only should it create a picture inside of you, we, we read in um, Hebrews chapter 6 that that hope enters beyond the veil. That hope that if you get that picture solid in you, there's the same picture in heaven where Jesus and the angels can work on bringing that picture to pass in your situation. Hope keeps you steadfast. Hope is an anchor to the soul, right? It keeps me solid while God is still in the development process to bring faith, to give the substance to cause that thing to come to pass in my situation. But I got I to keep my hope solid because if, if, if I start losing hope, man, then I start doing crazy stuff. Hopeless people is people that just do anything because they don't care anymore. They have no hope. All right. And so, um, you know, ministers, I gave you one last time when I talked about how ministers, people, even that preach the gospel, um, we struggle with hope issues just like the rest of y'all. That's why pastors quit, burn out, commit suicide, right? And so, you have to know how to strengthen and encourage your leaders, even those that are encouraging you. Because if we're not careful, listen, I, I, my life comes out of me to do what I do. If I don't have enough time to recharge, I lose it. Jesus said it this way, I perceive virtue. Spiritual energy has left me. Remember the woman touched the hem of his garment? Spiritual energy came out of him, all right? 
Now, Pastor David, why are you talking about this? Because I want you to understand how pastors can be all hopeful for you and then lose it in their own situation. Because the gift that I have to minister to you is not the thing that I got to live on my own faith, not the faith that I use to preach to you. I, see, me being a pastor just means I got devil duty. I got to preach to you so that you can get faith in your situation, but then I got to go home and get me some preaching. And then I got to live on it too. What I can't live on my gift to preach to you. If I get that wrong, then what happens is I, I, I'm preaching, but then I have insufficient faith funds in my own life, and I'm about to get spiritually bankrupt. And then people say, man, what happened to him? He seemed like he was all of this, and then all of a sudden, poof. He didn't understand his own faith life, whoever that he is. So here's a, one scripture, another scripture I want to give you, 1 Corinthians 9 through 12. You know, we're coming up to my honor to give celebration. I'm just preaching my own thing, all right, now. Apostle going to preach before, before we do the honor to give, and I have some other brothers, but I'm going to just give you things that I'm believing for so that you understand things that you can be in agreement with your pastor on, all right? Because I need, I need you to stand in faith with me as much as I'm standing in faith with you. Like, you give me those prayer sheets, you know, we do at the beginning of the year. You, you do know that I am praying over those. I still have them, my copy. I hope you got your copy. I hope you know where it is. I hope you've been praying over it. I have. I'm trying to come in agreement with you. I'm not trying to do your job for you. Just so we all clear on that. All right. 1 Corinthians 9, 3 through 12. This is the Apostle Paul. He had a ministry similar to mine in one aspect, and we'll talk about it. He says, my defense to those who examine me is this. Do, not, do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles, the brother of the Lord, and Cephas? Cephas, there is Peter. That means that Peter's, Peter's marriage was better than all the rest. He called him out. Peter had a really good marriage in ministry. That's what I'm believing. Pastor David, why do you study this stuff? Because I want to know what to believe for. I don't want to have be, be, be saving the bride of Christ and my bride unhappy. I'm just saying. Number six, or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? So Paul was saying here that he was, he was doing full-time ministry, but he wasn't getting paid for full-time ministry. All right? Whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit, or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock. So here he gives three pictures of a minister. One is of a warrior, one is of a farmer, and one is of a shepherd. Okay? Three different pictures. Do I say these things as a mere man, or does the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox that tread, while it treads out the grain. Then there's a fourth one. He says, brother, he says, what I do, I'm like an ox. I'm plowing in this field. And some days it feel like that for your pastor. Child, please, this is hard work. I'm plowing to get us a certain place. I'm, I'm working to get certain things to happen in ministry. Not because I think I'm just all of that. I just understand that that's the assignment and it's my time to plow. Okay? 
Is it oxen God is concerned about, or does he say it all together for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt that it is written that he who plows should plow in hope. I'm believing, God, that we're going to grow this ministry so that I don't have to do 40 to 50 hours every week at work and still preach to y'all. I'm just saying. I just want y'all to know what I'm believing for. I'm plowing in hope, okay? I'm believing God, right? Just anybody like profit sharing and bonuses? Your pastor do too. I'm just saying, okay? So, so during honor the gift, right, this is the time that you and your family get together and say, you know, and I'm not telling nobody to break the bank. No pastor ain't no, I'm not no spooky preacher. I can't fly in, fleece the sheep, kill them, and fly out. So when, when we believe for this, we just believe for everybody to do what they can, and I believe that more people are going to come, and we're going to have more people to do what they can in Jesus' name. All right, all right. Plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things to you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? For if others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? And nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. We just said, you know, Lord, we have, God has positioned us and given us the resources that we need in this time frame where you're, we don't have to have a full-time pastor. Okay, but that, that costs your pastor some time, energy, right? Your pastor has to manage his health, okay? Because there's too many people in positions like this that die out because because of how much virtue comes out of them and not having a time to refill it, right? So that's why we want, A, each one of you to do your part, but also help us grow this a, a community so that in the, the next pastor that follows me shouldn't have to do what I've had to do. That's, that's what I'm believing for, you know? I'm believing that the next pastor don't have to do it the way I'm having to do it, all right? And I'm believing that we raise up a mature body of believers that understand that this, this is just right. You know, I know the world going to say, all the preacher wants is your money. Child, please, my pastor put way more money in here. Make people tell you that dumb stuff? Tell them, no, no, see, now you may be talking about somebody else, but I know my pastor puts more money in my church, way more than anything we give him. You can tell them that, that's true, okay? But even if I was receiving it, it's right to do as this scripture says. That's not even saying that a person who's not is wrong, right? We just have to understand that it takes time to do this. And so I want you, your faith and hope to be where ours is, all right? So we've given you some definitions on faith here. We said faith is believing without sense realm evidence. Hey, are you healed? I'm healed. Why? Because the doctor's report said I'm healed? No, because the Lord's report said I'm healed. So whether my body yet has lined up with the word, I'm healed because his word says so. I'm blessed because his word says so. I'm prosperous because his word says so. All right? And I believe that those things happen in the, in the word first, and then it'll happen in my experience. Okay? 
Faith is agreeing and acting on divine promises until the power of those promises are displayed in open operation. That's why we sang today, nothing compares to the promise I have to you. We called him a promise keeper. We stand on those promises, believing that those promises will overwhelm our problems. All right? Faith is agreeing with the truth of God's word until the power of that word changes situation. We believe that God's word is a living, is a living being. His word has power. Like the Roman centurion that told Jesus, speak the word only and your servant will be healed. You don't have to come, just send your word. Your word has power apart from you to do something in my situation. Right? We believe that. Faith is trust. What do you rely on, lean on, put your confidence in? When, when it gets tough, what do you turn to? Are you your own God? All right, because some people say they trust God, but then when situations get tight, then they go to some other thing. Whatever that other thing they go to is really their God. All right, faith is, this is the longer definition, faith is the process, equipment, and lifestyle provided by God, whereby the believer, through a process of biblical belief, confession and corresponding action. I got to believe the right things. I got to say the right things. And then I got to act in the right way. All of those things are a part of faith. Believing, saying, and action. Through that process, I received God's grace, precious promises, and pursued empowerments, not just barely enough to get to heaven, but in world overcoming quantities. In spite of situations, in spite of opposition, situations, and setbacks, enabling heaven's influence to interrupt and overpower earth's problems. Yeah. So if I'm really walking by faith, it doesn't matter where I start from. Lady Nedra tells you her experience. I, I love the experience of both Lady Nedra and Sister Teresa, right? Um, you know, Lady Nedra when she was coming out of college, like I had internships, like I worked for GM in high school. I never worked at McDonald's or Taco Bell. Nothing wrong with it. I just never did. I started tithing when I was 12 and God opened the door for me to work five, Fortune 500 out of high school, not flipping burgers. Ain't mad at nobody who had to flip them. Play the hand you're dealt, baby, and win with the hand God gave you. But I was working that thing. My parents had taught me how to tithe. I was the organist for the church. They paid me $10, and out of that $10, God got a dollar. And when they moved me from 10 to 12, he got a dollar and 20. He didn't get no offering. It wasn't a quarter. I didn't give him a dollar 25. I just gave him a dollar 20. I believed that you were supposed to tithe, but I didn't have the revelation on offerings. So I went from the church. And then the first job I got as out, outside of the church, my senior year in high school, was working for General Motors. I was a high school co-op student. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and so what I want you to understand is, like, that's how I started. But when Lady Netra came out of college, she hadn't had any co-op experience. The industry was down. And so she had to start working for GM in security. 
So, you know, we walk past the security gates when we coming in. I, I, I wave at them because I'm like, my wife used to do that job. And I pray for them. You, you don't know. She was there working security. Next thing you know, God opened the door. She's working security. Now she's on the inside walking past security. Right? Man, I remember my sister was in public housing, and then I had her pull this thing together. I, I coached her, you know, because, listen, listen, your pastor's really good at coaching people through career stuff. I'm really good at it. Don't get it twisted. I'm really good. I'm not just a good pastor. I'm good at people development. I'm really good at it. So she had this thing, and she was working. You know, the job came up at Flint Housing, so she was in it. And I told her, this is how we're going to tell them I was in this thing, and now I can come back and serve the people that's in it. Man, she, she knocked that thing out the park. That dude liked her so much, he married her. <laughs> I'm just saying, she, brought, she busted that thing out. I'm just saying she did. See, Faith has the ability to take you from wherever you are to wherever it's designed for you to go. Where you start does not determine where you finish. So you, you start where you are, you release your faith, and you give it all you got. You don't let where you start determine, become your limitation. Your situation is not your limitation. Your situation is not your destination. Your faith can take you from where you are. Now, you're going to have to fight where you are. You're going to have to work through your current situation, but that doesn't have to be the limit to where you can go. You can start there and believe God beyond that. All right. Now, this is, this is, I want to say all of that for this last definition. Faith is my unfair sustainable, competitive advantage over the world. Faith is unfair. I mean, just when you think they got me blocked up, faith goes to work and God gets me out. Faith is sustainable because faith won't stop until I stop it. Faith will keep going as long as I keep going. Right? Faith will keep working on my situation as long as, I, as long as I let it until I decide I'm just, I quit. I don't want no more. Faith will stop when I stop. But if I don't stop, it won't stop. It's a competitive advantage because it's the power to overcome problem, every problem, circumstance, adversity, or hindrance from this world or beyond. It's over the world because this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith. All right. So I gave you the process of faith last time, and we started through. I gave you the ABCs of faith. It goes all the way from A to H. Go ahead, put that on the screen, media team. So each one of those, if you look at the list, they go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? And so it's a way, when I'm thinking about faith in an area, if I spent the time developing the hope piece, I've got the picture. I've got the promise from the word. Then I ask God for it. Well, God know I need it, but you still got to ask. Jesus asked people, what do you want me to do for you? So you got to ask him for it. Now, if you ask him for it, then you have to believe 
that the thing you've asked for, of course, you, you've asked for stuff already des- in line with what he desires for you, right? It's what he's promised and what you desire. That's the belief part. If I ask anything according to his will, I have this confidence that he heard me. I've already spent the time or got the counsel from whoever I need to counsel with to know if this is the will of God so that I'm not asking him for dumb stuff. Don't ask him for somebody else's wife or husband. He ain't going to give you them. He said, thou shalt not covet. Okay? So make sure you ask him for the right stuff. But there's enough stuff for you that you don't have to hate for somebody else what they got. I don't have to be mad because what God did for you. I can celebrate. And I can still wait in line for my turn to come. I can celebrate. See, when you understand that, like, God didn't break heaven when he gave to them. Man, I gave all my stuff to Brother John, man. You hit. It's not like that. So then you don't have to be mad when somebody else gets something. Don't be mad because other people get it. You know, um, because... Because what you find out when you go through the faith process, just because they got there first don't mean they got the best. There is, there is an inversion principle in Scripture. Jesus said it this way, the last shall be first. And the person that's first shall be last. So just because you went first don't mean yours is better than mine. I'm willing to wait my turn. Because once I get there, it won't even matter that you got there first. Man, I had to cry. I cried, man. I, I, I was at MIT. I, I was doing everything, you know, was in school. When I was in, came out of high school and I, I got accepted to what was then GMI, now Kettering, University of Michigan, and MIT was my long shot. And I got accepted to MIT, and I went there. I had all my scriptures. Man, I was in faith the best I knew how. And, um, you know, I read about Daniel, how God made Daniel ten times better. And the apostle will tell you this. I, I have my scriptures. I was standing in faith. She read the same scripture, and she was seeing Daniel in the lion's den, but I wasn't seeing that. I wasn't seeing that. I just, but it's my faith now. I got to take my own steps. I know you parents want to take your steps for your kids. You can't. They got to go on and get their own experience. They got to hear God and learning for themselves. So I'm there, man. I'm confessing my scripture, but I'm up against the wall, man. I felt like I was, remember the um, Beverly Hillbillies? They loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly Hills, that is. Swimming pools, movie stars. I'm there with all of these people, and they, Charles, they way smarter than I am, man. I'm just struggling just to hang on. I was the smartest thing around here, but the smartest thing around here wasn't the smartest thing in the world. And here I am, I'm struggling. I'm using everything I know. 
And then it got so bad, I got so scared that I got out of faith. I even started cheating sometime. I was scared. I thought, I thought I'm going to come home a failure. I'm going to come home a failure. I was most likely to succeed. I was all of those things in my high school, and I'm going to come home a failure. And then I'm thinking, man, maybe I should just jump in the Charles River. Maybe I should just end it. Maybe my life is over. How much would have happened if I had? Do you understand what I'm saying? See, these are real situations. I don't want everybody to think it's all easy and it's just all. And so I cried. I had a, my buddies was there. Y'all seen John Grooms, but we, we had, I had my boys. I don't know. Y'all know nothing about that. I had my boys. We was like that. We was, we was like that. I mean, we was Wakanda before there was a Wakanda. And um, here I am crying because they're getting to their dream before I do. Now I'm talking to my daughter, who is also in engineering school. And she's like, Dad, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to make it in four years. I said, honey, now on the other side of it, now that I got my dream, like, it, it, I said, my stuff is so much better than theirs. I mean, for the most part. I mean, I, and I love them all. And God gave them theirs. But, but even though I was last, God still put me at the front of the line. It doesn't matter how long it takes to get to your dream. Once you got it, it's yours. You did it by faith. God wipes away the time frame. I just want you to understand that, you know, this thing will work for you too. Right? So we ask. We believe. Then we confess. Jesus said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed. Doesn't doubt in his heart. Believe that whatsoever he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever thing he says. Faith is voice activated. You got to say the right stuff. You can't believe wrong and say right. If the believing is wrong, then the saying is going to be wrong. And you have to open your mouth. In the church that we were in, when we grew up, one of the things they would say is, okay, we want to touch and agree with you for prayer. And then people could stand up and say their prayer request. And then they would say, everybody who has an unspoken request, okay, how do I agree with you if you don't speak it? How can I, the, the Greek word is symphoneo, agreement is harmony, like musical harmony. If you don't sing the melody, I can't sing the harmony. You got to open your mouth. People, I, I don't want to say it because I said I'm going to jinx myself. Okay, see, we got a whole nother theological problem because you think jinxing is real, but the word of God isn't. Confess. Then I got a D. I got to demonstrate. I got to do something. Because as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Faith 
dies alone if you don't put something into action. So whatever you're believing for, whenever Jesus healed somebody, he would give them an action to do. Rise up, take up your bed and walk. Go show yourself to the priest, right? Um, go to the pool of Siloam and wash your eyes. He was always giving them something to do. So if I believe, what thing am I doing to act on the belief? Now, don't do something that's bigger than your belief. Okay, you really, you know, you saw somebody else do it and then you're going to do what they did. But they may have been meditating their faith and their hope may be clear. I went to a service and this one lady who had been sowing her seed, she, she, she believed in healing and she tore up her glasses. And then you tear up your glasses and then you got to go down to new vision. Get you another set. Because you hadn't done what you hadn't done the level of homework she did. You understand what I'm saying? People do stuff and then they call themselves trying to act in faith, but they just imitating what somebody else did. Without the spiritual homework to make that their action of faith. I told the people, listen, I gave them the story about how when I was in college, I laid hands on my cheek when my, when my wisdom teeth was hurting. And it stopped hurting for that whole month that I needed to get my exams done so I could get to work, so I could have the money to buy the insurance to get the surgery, to get them team things out. Now, I didn't have enough faith to say, be healed and not hurt no more forever. I didn't have that kind of faith, so I'm going to try to do it. But listen, I had enough faith to lay hands on myself and pray, and it worked. I'm just saying. That was an action that I could believe at my level. Stop looking at what other people's levels of faith, trying to believe what they can believe for. Work with your own faith. If you develop the faith God gave you, you will grow your faith, but you got to start at your level and grow to the level that he has for you to grow to. Does that make sense? That's the deep part, right? Now, the E part is a new part, endure expectantly. Let's look at this one. Hebrews 6, and we're going to read verse 11 through 15. Endure expectantly. After I do the right thing, there is still a time frame between believing, confessing, and doing before the manifestation comes. What do I do in the meantime, and why is that time so mean? Yeah. What do I do in the meantime? I've asked. I sold my seed. I believed. I've confessed. I've even acted on the word. But man, I've acted and I'm sitting here waiting and ain't nothing seeming to happen. What do I do in the meantime? And why is that time so mean? Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 through 15. And it says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises through faith and patience, faith and endurance. 
for me to get to the promise, I'm going to have to exercise some endurance. I'm going to have to release my faith, believing that I have it now, but waiting until it gets here. I have to believe that I have it, but still wait for it to come manifest. That's what faith and endurance is telling me. I got to believe that it's already mine, but wait for it to manifest. Going back to my man Abraham, verse 13, for when, Ab when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, patiently endured, patiently endured, patiently endured, he obtained the promise. So after you have done the will of God, you enter what I call the patience zone. Don't be an impatient patient in the patience zone. You know, the medical profession deals with customers. They call their customers patients. Just because they call them patients don't mean that they are patient. Got it? Okay, so don't be an impatient patient in the patient zone. This is the time after you have done the will of God, you have to have this kind of endurance. After you have confessed and believed, you believe that it's yours, but you still got to wait for it to manifest. You got to patiently endure. I am willing to serve God, believe that I have it, but I'm willing to wait as long as it takes for it to manifest. If I get to the point where I, where I give God deadlines, God, if you don't come by this date, I'm going to handle it myself. Then I'm not patient. I'm not enduring. Does that make sense? Because some, I, see, now see, I'm the only one that done gave God deadlines. Like I'm the boss. Uh, bruh, 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 bruh. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. Bruh, I need you by, and if you don't get here by, then I'm going to, whatever the, whatever the I'm going to is, I'm not in faith. I have to be willing to endure with expectation. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read verse 36 to 39. 36. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 to 39. Yep. And it says, for you have the need of endurance. Some, some, some versions say patience. You have need for endurance. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10, 36 through 39. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Verse, for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Right? Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto destruction. That's what the word perdition is. But of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So he says, listen here, I have need of patience. I have need of endurance after I have done the will of God. Now, that's why endure expectantly come after demonstrate. 
because I don't need patience until I done done what the Lord told me to do. Some people waiting on God, but God is still waiting on them. So I have to make sure that I have gone through A, B, C, and D before I start trying to endure. Sometimes we say, God, when it manifests, then I'm going to do what you tell me to do. You, you're not yet at the patience zone. You haven't done what he told you to do yet. After you have done the will of God, then you need the patience. Then you need to endure with expectation, right? And what God is telling you, he said, no matter how long you think it is, when it comes, once you receive it, it'll feel like it was only a little while. It may not feel like that right now, but when you get it, you look back on it, oh, man, it was only a little while. Now, that little while may be years of manifestation, but what God is telling you is he has a way of closing that time gap that when it manifests, it's like your yesterdays just gets wiped away. Only God can do that, all right? Now, he says, if you start in this process and then start to back up from it, you're going to go to destruction. So don't start it and then quit. Stay with it. We are not of those who draw back. I tell people, most people don't backslide, they just slide back. They start to slide back because they think, oh, I don't take all of that. Listen, you got to stick with it. You can't start this process. When you step back from faith, the devil comes in and tries to hurt you. The shield of faith is the thing that quenches the enemy's fiery darts. So if you step back from walking by faith, he comes in to take you out. Faith is your shield. So don't, don't start this process and say, man, you know what? I used to be all into that church thing, but it don't take all of that. I was coming every Sunday, still could come, but I'm going to at least chill two Sundays out of the month. I'll get two and watch the other two on TV. You draw them back to destruction. Okay? Look at Hebrews 11, 39 and 40. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us that without us, that they without us should not be made perfect. I have to be willing to stay in faith for the rest of my life. I can't get this thing like, okay, I'm going to give God a deadline. I have to be willing to die believing. I said, if I was on my sickbed, the last thing I would want to go into heaven saying is, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. That's the last. If, if, if this is the one thing I got, I'm going to give my last shot while I'm on my way out. I'm just saying. Okay, so you have to have that kind of commitment that I'm in it to the end. Okay? Let's look at, uh, I got a definition of faithfulness, faithfulness and endurance. Why don't you share that definition, All right? Faithfulness is enforced obedience to a critical principle long after the thrill of initiation has gone and even longer before the desired results have come. <laughs> yeah, because we start and we get excited at the start. 
But what after we started, sooner or later, the thrill is gone. But I still got to stick with it even after the thrill is gone, long before the results begin to manifest. So when I'm enduring in expectation, I got to stay with that thing, even after the thrill of excitement, right? You know how we do those New Year's resolutions? They don't even make it out of the month of January, right? So I have to be willing to stay with it after that thrill has left me, before there's any results manifesting, all right? Now let's look at Mark 4, 14 through 20. Because what happens in this patient zone? Well, one of the things that happens is stuff starts to happen that where I get excited and then situations and problems happen to me. And then sometimes I get tired of the word or I get distracted and other stuff starts to come into my situation. So let's look at it. Mark 4, 14 through 20. The sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that is sown in their hearts. All right? And these are they which are sown on stony ground, who when they have the, heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. So they have an initial thrill. Initially, they are excited about it. But somewhere before manifestation, the thrill gets gone. Let's look at the next verse. And have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arise, not for their sake, but for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. I started this Bible stuff, and it don't work. And then they get mad at you. You see an offended person and you give them that scripture that they offended about, they, they come for you. You understand that term, come for you? Well, I don't want to hear that no more. I heard that. Some other preacher told that to me. And then they tell you all of the stuff, all of the reasons why, what persecution or affliction they came, where the devil was trying to beat the word out of them. That was the purpose. And they let it happen. All right? Verse... 18, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So they are on their path of faith, but then other stuff starts to distract them. I was in faith for this, but I don't know, man. I'm just, I just, I just want to chill and watch the Super Bowl. I know this is my study time, but all right, <laughs> there's this episode of Greenleaf. <laughs> the lust of other things enter in, chokes out the word. Verse 20, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some in hundredfold, all right? One more scripture, and then we're done. Mark 4, 26 through 29. What should I be doing in the patient zone? All right? Mark 4, 26 through 29 kind of is one of the passages of scripture. This is a very helpful passage of scripture, so I really want to make sure you get this, and then we're done. 
And he said that he being Jesus, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep and rise by night, should sleep by night and rise by day. All right, so he's planted the seed, and now he's in a sleeping and rising period. He's in a period where the word is working, but nothing has manifested. And the seed should sprout and grow up. He himself does not know how. So you don't have to know how it's going to manifest for it to work for you. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. All right? So first of all, four principles in this that you should know. First is the principle of seed. The word is a seed in your situation, whether it's the promise of healing, the promise of um, financial prosperity, the promise of relationship reconciliation. The word is a seed, all right? And then through my process of asking, believing, confessing, and demonstrating, I am planting that seed. I'm planting it in my heart. My heart is the ground. Got it? I'm sowing the seed inside of myself. I'm planting that. But then I have to sit and wait for stuff to manifest. What I don't want to do is, right, this is one of Pastor David's dumb days. I sowed seed financially, believing for harvest that had manifested and then created debt on the expectation that the harvest was going to be there to overwhelm the debt. Don't do that. That's a dumb thing. That's dumb. That's triple D dumb. I've already bought that lesson, paid for it. You don't have to buy it. Okay? I just assumed because I sold seed that harvest had to be here by this date. I gave God a deadline. He don't work by my deadline. Okay? What I was supposed to do is sow seed and then wait for it to start harvesting because after the principle of the seed, number one is the principle of the season. There is a time between seed and harvest. What do I do in the meantime, and why is that time so mean? In the meantime, man, that's the, the in the meantime, in between time, that's where stuff starts to happen. You think God ain't coming for you, ain't nothing working, it's just crazy. You know, your mind starts to play tricks on you, you get mad at folks. Because you in the meantime. Okay. But even though you can't see it, something is still happening. I call that roots, shoots, and fruits. Because in the meantime, that seed is developing a root system inside of you and inside of your situation. But you don't see roots. They grow undercover. All right? So there's the principle of the seed, the principle of the season. There's the third principle of successive manifestation. First the blade, then the ear. In the King James, it says the blade, the ear, the full corn in the ear. Right? The blade, the head, the full grain in the head is the way the new King James says it. Okay? 
that tells you that when you get your manifestation, it's not going to all come out overnight fully grown. So I have to be comfortable seeing a blade and thanking God, even though it's not everything I was believing for. I got to be happy and praise God with the blade because the blade is proof that something was happening all along, even when I didn't see it. And then the final principle, after the seed, after the season, after the successive manifestation, the fourth principle is the principle of the sickle. The sickle says there is a second, separate, definite, alternate action that I must perform to reap on the seed that I sowed. Now, we hear a lot of seed messages, but very little sickle messages. So we just think God going to plop it down on us and don't realize even we have to do more work at harvest than we did just to sow the seed. So there's a thinking that we have to have that in this enduring season, I'm watering my seed. I'm continuing to confess. I'm continuing to praise God. I continue to thank God, believing that something's happening even when I can't see it. Because every farmer continues to tend his ground when his seed is in the ground. Come on. Did you get something out of this? Go ahead and clap. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Let's stand, let's stand. I know these, I'm being very basic and walking you through this, but it's really important that you get this. So we just don't want, we just don't want to rush this process of faith. We don't want to rush this. Okay. Because once you got this, you got it. Right? Nobody will ever be able to take this from you. You'll know how to spend time hearing the word of God. You'll know how to believe God in any area of your life. Do I have a promise? Is it clear inside of me? Have I asked him for it? Do I believe I receive it? Have I opened my mouth and confessed it? Has he shown me an action that I can now demonstrate and act on the belief that I have? Right? Because when God starts giving you actions, you, you know, some of them, you're like, I, I've been confessing it, but I, you might feel some, some trepidation. You get a little nervous, get a little antsy. God, I'm not sure if I should do that now. Because he's going to ask you to act on something. And if you've done that, can you be patient in the patience zone and endure until your full harvest manifests? All right? God has an amazing plan for your life plan that he put in place before the world began, before any thought, habit, mistake, or misfortune overtook your life. So often, we try to get our acts together before we come to the Lord. The reality is we can't get our act together on our own. That's why we need to come to the Lord. So while our heads are bowed, eyes closed, believers are praying. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, love to be the man of God that leads you through that process. It's very simple. You just ask Jesus who God sent to be the Lamb of God that takes away all the sins of the world, to come into your life, ask him to be the Lord of your life, to and then believe that he came, 
he died on a cross for your sins, that he was dead and buried and rose again on the third day, and that he sits at the right hand of the Father as our King, Lord, our priest, our prophet, right? Our Messiah. If that's you, you believe in that, and you're asking me as Pastor David to um, pray that prayer with you. Not going to do anything crazy. We're just going to pray with you. And we're going to all pray together. But I just want you to have an action to de-demonstrate that you really are making a change in your life. Would you just show me that by raising your hands? In Jesus' name, hallelujah. See your hands, see your hands. Put your hands down. Right? The second, second um, appeal is, and I got four appeals just so you can, you can know that. Second appeal is maybe you're not an unbeliever. You are a believer um, fully um, in, in that regard, but maybe you've allowed hurts, hindrances, or habits, things to get in your way, things that, that, that have broken fellowship with God. Maybe you are strongly going in faith, but you saw in the word that you were one of those people who drew back from God. And God is telling you, you need to make a, a renewed commitment to me because if you keep going backwards, the destruction is back there and you don't want that. You want to go forward with God. If that's you, can you show me that by raising your hand? Hey, God's been dealing with me. I saw myself in the word. He's just been dealing with me on some things. That's you. I see your hand, see your hand, see your hand. That's not a bad place to be. This is, this is what the altar is for, for us to get that kind of thing fixed, y'all. This is Listen, I'd rather get it fixed now because I, you know, God's here to fix it. Amen. I saw your hands. All right. Third is you are a believer, but one of the empowerments that God has for you is we call it um, in, in, in our circle, we call it a second work of grace, that there was a work of grace that made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. But there's another work of grace where I received what we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that baptism, according to Luke 11, is just received the same way. I asked for it. He, Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, your heavenly Father will, know, will give you the Holy Spirit. If you ask, I believe I have it. I confess that it is. And then I tell the Lord I'm fully expecting to speak with other tongues as a demonstration as the Spirit gives me utterance. That's you. You want us to pray with you about receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's the power you need if you've been going up and down in your Christian life. Just raise your hand, and then we'll be praying with you for that. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. you can put your hand down. I see your hand. All right? Right, and then the last appeal is that God always has charged me because we're believing for our fellowship to grow and for us to add, God to add to our company such as should be saved. You know, I would love to be your man of God. You see the kind of teaching that we do here. We really believe that God has given us a special capacity to help you to receive the word of God in a way that helps you find the path of God for your life. I would love to just have a conversation with you after service is over. If there's somebody that wants to talk to us about becoming a member of the kingdom community that is Destiny Generation Church, would you show me that by hand and then I'll just reach out to you and we can have that conversation when service is over. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Come on. We're all praying together. We're praying in agreement for those that are praying um, these prayers. So everybody pray with me. Heavenly Father, I come to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I believe God raised you from the dead just for me. Thank you for receiving me into your royal family. Heavenly Father, you said that as a child of yours, 
if I ask you, you would give me the gift of your precious Holy Spirit. I'm asking you for that gift. I believe that I receive it and I fully expect to speak with other tongues as your spirit gives me utterance. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have dealt to me the measure of faith. Jesus, thank you for being the author and the finisher of my faith. I fully expect to walk by faith as I ask, believe, confess, demonstrate, and endure with expectation. I thank you, Lord. I believe this process will work for me in my life and in my situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and clap there. Just want to acknowledge those of you that were watching with us online. Thank you, thank you. Please like, share, help us to spread the word. We want other people to experience the difference of destiny. Information is available there on the screen to tell you how you can sow into the word of God that's, um, that we have here. You can help us help other people experience the difference of destiny. We're trying to grow the fellowship. We're believing surely that we'll take this kind of message on TV, on radio, using every available channel to touch the whole world in Jesus' name. I'm also asking you to continue on. We'll be here um, Tuesday night. We're starting a series on Back to the Future, Understanding End Time Events. You can come and be a part of our Tuesday Empowerment Service. Um, next Sunday, we'll be here again, um, teaching again on Unleashing the Increase of Faith. Got some more stuff that you haven't heard yet. And so I want you to come back and tune in for the next episode. And then I'm having a party and you're invited. Um, my party is we're doing our Honor the Gift celebration October 11th, 12th, and 14th. This is just the time I really work hard to minister to the congregation. And this is the time that the congregation ministers to me. And it just gives me strength to continue on. So many pastors um, are, are losing it in ministry because people haven't taken the time to just share with them what their ministry means. So I just really take this time and I find that I'm strengthened to finish my assignment with joy. I have three of my brothers coming to minister, Pastor Tony Shaw of McKinney, Texas, Dr. James Foster of uh, Evanston, Illinois, and then my own city brother, um, Dr. Herbert Banks of New Creation Church of God here in the city of Flint. And so he'll do our Sunday morning on the 14th and then our Thursday, Friday services are 7 p.m. Please, please, if you're in the area, come and join us for these services, all right? God bless you, and we'll see you next time. Amen. Go ahead, clap. Lady Nedja. Stir, a round of applause for the word as we...